What's up, guys? Welcome in to the College Ball Uncensored podcast. It is the Sunday recap episode. Uh, we're doing things a little bit different here because Tyler is in Austin. He's on another trip, um, eating tacos, listening to Nelly, doing all the things that I want to do. Uh, but we had a big week that we need to recap. Um, we'll let some people file in here. Hopefully, somebody will help me figure out this layout situation because I don't know how to do it. Um, and that's about it. So, Let's see here. First and foremost, where are you from? What you drinking here, guys? Um, hold on one second. So I know a lot of you uh, were probably disappointed in some of the action. It was a great day of football. It was, I mean, I feel like it lived up to the hype. I, I thought going into it, it was going to be one of those weekends, like where a bunch of crazy shit happened. Um, one second. And... It kind of played out that way. Like you talk about the early game with Ole Miss, Kentucky, LSU, Auburn is just that. I mean, every year, I don't want to say it's a classic. Um, it's like a classic the way like Human Centipede was a classic. You know what I mean? It's just it's not something you're sure if you ever want to see again, um, or like Two Girls One Cup. It's like something you probably never wanted to see or didn't think was even possible, but. After your eyes were forced to watch it, you were, uh, what's up, Trevor Garza? Yeah, you were, I wouldn't say pleasantly surprised, unpleasantly surprised. So let's see here. Trevor had a rough day yesterday with the, uh, the A&M game. Um, and we're going to be taking those questions and, and all that kind of sort, sort of stuff. It's going to be a very interactive show. All right, let's get into the first, uh, first part here and let's talk what happened yesterday from the slate in the SEC. Uh, we're going to start with, I'm not going to start with Georgia Mizzou. We're going to start with, we got a couple of guests going on. Let's start with the Kentucky Ole Miss game. And this was, I thought, going into the day, the best game of the day. Same for next week, the 12 o'clock slot, best game of the week. I don't know how they got screwed over into that time slot, but uh, it was the, it's the best, best lineup, I think, for, or best game in the lineup this week and next. Ole Miss comes in. They did exactly what we thought they would be able to do, okay? Um, Kentucky, you know, coming in had struggled with the run game. I think they were ranked 123rd in the country, only averaged 81 yards per game. They were getting Chris Rodriguez back, who was the SEC leading rusher a year ago. Will Levis, we said going into the game, that the biggest concerns were the turnovers, because he consistently has them, and the offensive line, giving up 16 sacks going in, which is the most in the SEC. All of those things came to fruition. Now, listen, I know Kentucky fans are frustrated. They like I know they feel like they should have won that game, and they probably should have won that game. Nick Murphy says Kentucky got hosed, in my opinion. Um, if they got hosed, though, they they did it to themselves, and they did it in the ways they continue to do that, like and, and have done since Will Levis has been the quarterback there, or you know, over the past several years. I don't disagree that Kentucky shouldn't have won that game. They they had every opportunity to. Um, you look at, you know, the missed field goal, the, the missed extra point where it gets blocked, uh, the kid tripping off, uh, off his own players. He's about to, you know, break a, a, a hundred yard kickoff return for a touchdown. Um, but when you do those things consistently and you get to the fourth quarter and you're gifted another opportunity from, from lane who, for whatever reason, did not decide to kick a field goal and take the go up by six, forcing Kentucky to drive the length of the field to get a touchdown goes for it on fourth, you get a stop, and you you do the unthinkable. You go right down the field, you get inside the 10-yard line, 
Um, and then you do what you always do, which is you throw a touchdown with a pre-snap penalty. So it gets called back as the penalty on the offensive line. Then on the next play after, after Will Levis is under duress, strip set, not strip sack, but a, a strip fumble ball game. He fumbled in two, he fumbled twice in the last three and a half minutes of that game or five and a half minutes of the game in the fourth quarter. I mean, that kind of stuff is not going to win you games. And that kind of stuff is why there's a little bit of a ceiling above Kentucky's head. Now, are they still a good football team? Absolutely. They're a really good football team. I think the run game will be better in time. Ole Miss's defense is better than we think it was. But, you know, even with Rodriguez back, he only averaged, uh, only put up 109 yards in that game uh, on the ground. Now, and Will Levis looked good the entire game. Passing. Will Levis looked really good. Gutsy performance. Had a dislocated finger. All that stuff. Was super impressed with that. Was super impressed with both teams, honestly. Um, but the stuff that we were concerned about going into it, that we kind of brought up on the podcast that has led them to these type of losses, reared its ugly head again. So Will's finger did look nasty. That was disgusting. Um, what did Saban do that was rude for the game? We'll, we'll get into the Bama, Arkansas stuff later. Let's get into... Uh, oh, boy. Let's get into the Ole Miss... Um, Kentucky, you know, conversation that we're having in the comments uh, before we move on. So we had this discussion, like I said, last week. And by the way, I don't like I didn't want to start the show like this. I don't know why I'm so red. What is it? Isn't that a breaking out hives? Um, this is a lot. Anyway, one of the things that we we're, we're going to have to bring up at some point and we can wait for as long as I feel like the moment Trevor Garza came in here, I didn't want to bring it up because I didn't want to do it. I know he thinks I'm going to do, which is pat myself on the back for all the picks we made. Listen, I'm not, I I'm wrong a majority of the time, right? Like over, over the last five years that we've been doing this, I'm sure. I don't know what's happening right now, guys, but we're still on a Peter. We are absolutely on a Peter. Um, and in that game alone, we, we told you, you know, Ole Miss, Ole Miss scores first, and, and that was one of the issues with Kentucky. They really struggled in the first half of games, and that's one of the things Ole Miss does best is score early and often. Kentucky, on the other hand, they do a good job of, of coming back in the second half and also making halftime adjustments, limiting some of these plays from their opponents. They only allowed 12 points in the second half going in all year. Uh, I think they gave up seven in the third quarter, none in the fourth to, to Ole Miss. Um, so a fantastic job from that end. But when you start out down 14-5 to five, uh, in the first quarter – that um, that kind of stuff happened. So sitting on a Peter. <laughs> it's a very good point, Trevor Garza. Uh, let's see if we have any of any voicemails from this game. I know we have. I know we have at least one um, who was. Oh no, it's oh maybe not. These are all angry, and they're primarily after nine thirty, which means they're all they're all about Georgia. Oh my God, we're gonna have to get to that. Oh boy. Okay, and we got a couple from today too. Good, good deal. Here we go. Um, all right, so that is that is the uh, the first game we we'll get out of the way. We got a couple of guests. What do you guys want to get into next? We could get into um, the Bama Arkansas game, and then we'll do some Georgia talk as well. Let me see if they can get in here. Um, all right, hold on one second. So, Bama Arkansas. Uh, James said, I'm sure I missed the dogs talk already, but I'm here to hear the truth. James, we appreciate you being here. I will say this. Um, we did not talk about Georgia off the bat because they did not deserve to be talked about off the bat. Uh, we'll see if, the, if our guest joins us in the next minute or two, and then we'll, we'll – um, hold on one second. We're going to invite him in. We will, we will get into Georgia Arkansas 
next. What was y'all's biggest takeaway from this weekend also? And we're going to get into this later, but I want you guys to start thinking like who, who do you think should actually be number one? Who is the best team in the country? Um, all right. Let me see here. We're going to bring in my good buddy, Josh Hancher from the dog sports line. I think dog central as well. They do a great job. And even, listen, I love stats, man. Uh, this might be the only person in the world that likes stats more than me. So let's, let's get into a little bit of the Georgia talk. So Georgia Mizzou, playing in a we joked about this but maybe a raucous crowd i maybe a raucous crowd in como it, like they sold it out it seemed like i mean they were packed they were loud but georgia goes on the road for the first time all year and struggles and i know listen georgia fans we were all upset for you like we were all pulling for you and when i say we were all i mean none of us um because it was hilarious to watch for the second week in a row where you have this these issues with Kent State, where you you kind of played with your food a little bit, could have buried them at any point, but you didn't. You had a bunch of turnovers. But I remember talking about this with somebody a few weeks back, and we were talking about, like, because the Texas-Bama game, of course, draws a lot of comparisons to this in terms of a team everyone thought you are going to blow out by three scores or more. You get into that opportunity, and all of a sudden you're just struggling. Just things aren't clicking. You have you – have, it's not even just that you're getting beat or making a bunch of mistakes in turnovers. It's just that you're just off like just disjointed on offense or maybe disjointed on defense, not communicating well, not all focused. You get a couple of weird injuries early and lose some key guys. Um, they had danger. That's a very good point. Um, so Georgia starts off this game. And now I remember looking at the seven point line in the first quarter, thinking Georgia would cover that just for obvious reasons. You look at this, this Mizzou team, they just lost to Auburn in horrible fashion. Um, their only other opponent uh, that was a power five opponent this season was Kansas State, and they got beat 40 to 12. So in two games against Kansas State and Auburn, they only averaged 13 points per game. The defense at Mizzou has improved, all right? So and I, I didn't think it would be that, this much improved, but we've seen Georgia kind of start slow. Even in that, that Oregon game, I think it was only 7 nothing at the end of the, the first quarter. So that wasn't that big of a surprise. Uh, we are going to be joined by our good buddy Josh at Dogsats. Thank God. Okay, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm here by myself. There's no adults. Oh, hold on here. We got to turn your, get your volume up. You're, now you're muted. This is good radio. You got nothing. Um, just about, I'm not sure what's going on with the, uh, hold on one second. Yeah, I don't there we go. Can you hear me now? There he is. Welcome in, man. Sorry for that. That was ex that was quick. I have to say, normally, when I'm glad I wasn't got quick. two beers. Well, just like I'm working, and then you said, "Hey, jump on now." So here I am. Yeah, yeah. I desperately need you to save the show. We're only like ten minutes in. So, um, <laughs> all right. So we're talking a little bit about Georgia, Missouri. Josh does incredible work. He's a friend of the show. He's been on several times. Um, I've done some preview pods with them, but incredible stats analytics video stuff and breakdowns with our other good friend Graham coffee um we'll pitch all your shit later okay <laughs> i know you guys have a lot going on right now we're talking about just the early parts of this game give us your initial thoughts before going into like the issues and, and what you saw in the second half but like how did you see this game playing out and then what was happening you posted something on twitter 
And I was like, fuck you, Josh. This is an <laughs> unbelievable thing to say in this moment. And, and it was like, this is like, so during the game. I'm going to blow out, guys. I'm having a blast. And I was like, dude, I'm, blast I'm, I, my wife could not believe how ridiculously calm I was. Cause that's not who I've been for. Uh, I'm just throwing out a number here, 40 years. Right. Uh, I mean, but it was like, I enjoyed it. I actually had a, it was fun. I mean, like, I don't watch. I mean, watching bad offensive football is not what I want to do. But right. I just kept thinking they just kept gutting it out. The defense just, you know, they would make mistakes, but then they would bow up and stuff. I, I mean, I enjoyed it. And granted, now if we don't win, I probably don't have a, such a positive attitude at it. But I just, yeah. I really did enjoy it. I mean, it was like it's a young team. We, we forget that they they play a lot of players, and some of these guys got a lot of snaps last year. But it's still a pretty young team that's going to have to learn to battle through these mistakes. Right. And and uh, I enjoyed really did enjoy the, the offense, not, you know, losing their crap and, and executing when they had to and, and got battled through the mistakes and same with the defense and stuff. And they kept the yeah. game in front of them. I mean, that tackle by Starks at the one yard line was Jesus, just, man. yeah, just that was so big. It was so big. That game could have been 20 to three at that point. And, uh, you know, we held them to a field goal there. And then Georgia got the ball back and, you know, didn't give it back to them that half to give them a chance right. to, to gain on that momentum, considering they were getting the second half kickoff. So, and, you know, and Stetson drove down, drove down and, and you know, fake field goal. They did everything they had to do to, to just, you know, that fucking fake, to fake punt or fake field goal. I, look, I don't, I cannot believe they didn't see this coming for one. Um, but no, so, I mean, you know, I think the saying is, you know, I'm going to build you up before I break you down. <laughs> should we start with the positives or the negatives first? I think we should start with probably the positives. Um, I mean, like you want to do it like sequentially that, you know, the negatives were in the first half and the positives were in the second half. What, I don't even know what that word. I got to Google that word. Um, <laughs> well, in order of the game. Yeah, that's fair. Um, all right. So we talk about the first half and, and like I said, sluggish start. And you really don't have like it, it didn't seem like it was going to be an issue. But then you did have Lad McConkie with a couple of drops. They, they didn't really target Bryce or uh, Brock Bowers super early. And it seemed like they were just committed to, we're going to try to run the football these first couple drives and no matter what. Um, that like Stetson, I think, started like three of eight or something like that, which I'm pretty sure is also his height. Boom, roasted. Uh, he saw it in Bryce, isn't he? Uh, yeah, whatever. Okay. I mean, depending so, on what kind of cleats they're wearing. So they, they come out and and then you start seeing, you know, some of the issues where Mizzou hit like a couple of plays and they started making stops and the team that they gained a lot of confidence very quickly. Yeah. And they played with a lot of confidence, which was, was honestly great to see for that, that team and program, especially with, with, you know, all the scrutiny of Trinkowitz and what happened a week ago. But you're sitting here also looking at like, hold on, they don't have a single fucking player on this offense besides Luther Burden, maybe Mookie Cooper. They shouldn't be doing these things. And they were really good on defense. Like they're like, you know, the stops they were getting, some of the penetration they were getting up front. Um, that was all pretty surprising to me. But then you. Yeah, yeah I mean, right. they definitely came out and, the, you know, the crowd was into it. And, and that's the exact script they had to have. Yeah. You know, they had to come out on off on both sides of the ball and, you know, take control of what they could. And, and they got it and they, you know, they got points and they didn't put up enough points on the board that, you know, they, cause they needed some of those to be touchdowns and, but Georgia to their credit did hold them to field goals and stuff. Yeah. I was looking at the stats. <laughs> Georgia was 0.9 yards per play in the first quarter on you know, with just 10 snaps. Well, and you also, yeah, that was the other thing is they weren't on the field hardly at all. And I'll tell you what, you brought up the fact that like this game played out exactly like they wanted it to. I would argue that like 
outside of maybe Vanderbilt, there's not another fan base that would have legitimately wanted like, I, you, of course you want touchdowns, but with what happened last week and just how like weird this fan base is <laughs> getting Harrison Nevis like back on track and have him being like the MVP of the, like the game for you. I would argue that some of the zoo fans probably would have wanted that over a bunch of touchdowns unless they were Luther burden. You get Nevis who missed like a 26 yard goal a week ago. He hits five field goals, two of them over 50. Um, and Mizzou finds themselves up 13-0 early in the first half. And then you you get to halftime, you're down 16-6. to And, and they're still like, assuming, should I be hammering the second half line? Like, surely I should be hammering the second half line. Georgia was a 20-point first half favorite. Um, you know, and they're they're down 10. So just kind of kind of shocking right there. They come out of the locker room. And they they go right down the field and score, right? They get a field goal um, from Podlesny. And then it just becomes back and forth, just like a fucking Big Ten, perfect football game in the Big Ten with just, just trading field goals. And by the way, it was like the first time since 2000 or something like that, or maybe longer, where two separate field goal kickers from uh, different teams went over four for four in a single game. Yeah. Not off college kickers. Um, but this is the difference, I think, with, with Georgia. And it was funny as shit. Again, it was funny as shit to watch some of the fans squirm a little bit. And for <laughs> me personally. Squirm is kind of a, it's a, it's a nice word to use because there was a lot of just sheer panic all over my Twitter. Yeah, well, and like, and kind of with good reason, because at one point in the fourth, you're like, are they going to fucking lose this game? And and it was, so so from the negative standpoint, yeah, you cannot do this on the road, never, ever, you know, and you can't do it a week ago against Kent State. And I understand like the yardage difference and all that kind of stuff. And and I still felt like they were never going to lose this game necessarily. But when you have like Tennessee, even a Kentucky team that looked looked good yesterday um, on the road, Mississippi State, maybe like that's a team that puts up points consistently and a lot of them. If Georgia does this in a game like that, they actually might find themselves in a, you know, in a worse situation, like where but this could have ended, oh, up, yeah. ended up poorly. But the, I mean, whether it's taking away the short passes, I mean, I don't know if it was they were getting, you know, they talked on the broadcast about getting his eye in his in his lanes and making it yeah. hard for him to see those passes. And he was certainly inaccurate on those short passes to Kenny McIntosh and to Bowers at, and even, you know, those screen type plays. And those just weren't firing on Saturday yeah. night for whatever reason. And uh, and that's that, that you know, is Georgia, Georgia fans are talking about like how how unsuccessful or unproductive the running game is. And those, you know, and Kirby's said in several pressers that, you know, that some of those plays are extension of the run game, which is easy to say that anything behind the line of scrimmage and stuff, but yeah, their their bread and butter wasn't working. And, you know, they, they ended the, they were under two yards of carry in the first half and they still, and then what they do, they kept at it and they ran it, kind of ran it down their throat in the second half. Oh no, no, not kind of, they they definitely did. Like I said, but no, for sure. But for sure, Georgia cannot win many. You know, some certainly they're not going to win the East playing like they did last night. That's I don't know about that part. That that scene. I mean, maybe not because Mizzou is not that great of a football team, and they did they did do a really good job yesterday. But so from the negative standpoint, I'm just going to be. You can call it petty or whatever you want to call it. I don't give a shit. I will just get this off my chest that this win. If you were in the if you were in the camp, and I know a lot of you in that Facebook group were Benny Hanna talking to you right now. Um, if you were very vocal about how that one point win on the road versus Texas was not impressive from a Bama standpoint, because I know these fans, we go back and forth all the time. I remember saying this to somebody. I was like, listen, like when y'all go on the road, we will be able to talk about something besides these home wins. But 
Georgia did, Georgia did what championship teams do. You said they kind of ran down their throat. They ran for 7.6 yards per carry in the fourth quarter alone, put up like, and, and they had not been able to run the football. They did stuff, the little things that championship teams do. And, and a, lot, a lot of times this doesn't happen as much recently because you have offenses and blowing people out. But you heard the old adage of like, you know, there's like one game every year where you just got to fucking just gut it out. It's like a gritty performance. You're in a situation where you like the Rocky block from 2009 comes to mind. You know what I mean? Um, there's no reason you should be in that close of a game, but you are. Malachi Starks on that play that, that should have been a touchdown and probably would have won you the game. Shoestring tackle at the one yard line comes down. Also had another big play at the goal line and coverage. Uh, I think it was a little bit later on. But him saving that touchdown, then all of a sudden you get him at the one-yard line and you force them to kick a field goal from the one-yard line. It's a huge win. You talk about the execution on special teams where you you come, you come go four for four on field goals and you do the fake field goal um, that you get the first down on. But Stetson Bennett in the fourth quarter and in the second half of this game was night and day compared to what it was in the first half. And they got Bowers involved and they also got Darnell Washington involved, which I love to see. Yeah, I mean, he he got Darnell, he got, you know, Don Blaylock involved, you know, the the freshman Dylan Bell caught some huge passes, some huge plays. I mean, it, you know, what he's done all season is spread the ball around and he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't, you know, you there's a lot of things that, that are, you know, you want to say about Stetson, but he doesn't lock in on one guy um, in terms of just like he, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't have to feed the hot hand. He's, he'll find the guy that's open and stuff. Right. And, and he, and clearly the off and you know, the, Kirby and Monken have not given up or not that they would get up, give up, but they're still feeding uh, McConkey and stuff. And, you know, it's, yeah, they got, they got all the playmakers and then, you know, all the running backs got involved. Milton McIntosh, Dejon Edwards, all got huge carries for Georgia. And that's, I mean, that's how they won the game. If they can't control the clock, keep it out of their hands and, and uh, you know, and also put, you know, two touchdowns on the board in that second half. I mean, they needed every single play. They needed every single play. And that's one of the things I tweeted out. I was like, you know, at halftime, I was like, I don't know if we win this game or not, but, you know, the defense has got to step up. We're going to need every possession and minimize theirs. And and they did score, I think, um, in the second half on that uh, at one point, I believe. But, I mean, for the most part, Georgia did give the offense every – the defense gave them as many possessions as they could, and that's what it took. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I think – that's um, we have a boatload of, of audience voicemails from this game that we're going to we're going to wait to play, I think, towards the end, just because we'll play one for now. I'm hoping it's the most unhinged one. You can be here for this. But, um, you know, before we let you go, like just again, looking at this, I don't I don't think I don't really care if they dropped out of the number one spot. I don't think they should have. I think I think between Bama and Georgia, neither one of those teams really wants to be number one. I know what, what the fans have said on Twitter. Apparently, I like. I mean, I would always rather be number two and have the 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 target pointed forward than than behind me. Uh, I, I don't. Back. I'll say this. I mean, I have a little power ranking that I have that factors in Vegas win totals and you know some stats and stuff. I mean, and Alabama has been number one the whole season. They've got more yards per play offensively, and they are allowing fewer plays defensively. Um, you know, and I mean Alabama's metrics and everything about it, they are the the, the team to beat. You know, I think, and then. Georgia and Ohio State are very close back and back and forth and stuff. I mean, Georgia's with, I mean, I expected a defensive regression, but they're averaging 4.8 yards of play defensively. And that's kind of scary um, because, you know, I also thought that Georgia was going to be able to put up 30, 30 points just getting out of bed, which, 
yeah may, may not be the case going forward and maybe get some guys healthy maybe sort out the offensive line issues and maybe they they get back in stride but you know yeah i, I have no problem with alabama being number one i, I mean know, it doesn't matter it doesn't it, matter it'll, it'll all play itself out like it always does but i will yeah. i will say from like a moving forward standpoint and like i think games like this honestly help in a long way and, and the other thing you really have to give credit to kirby in this situation especially in is that no matter what situation Georgia finds themselves in, in terms of like whether it's early on, they might be losing. He never does anything where it's like, shit, we've got to focus in on one guy. Does like the Lane Kiffin thing that he used to do, which is like feed this, feed the one guy we have, like an Anthony Richardson, you know, whatever. We have to feed this one dude because he's our only way, our only chance of winning. And instead, he sticks to the whole fucking process, which I hate that saying, but I mean like, you know, he, he, he rotates guys in no matter how youthful and young they are and no matter how many injuries, all that kind of stuff. That, that kind of stuff is going to pay off in the long run for sure. Um, all right, I'm going to get this this voicemail lined up. You tell everyone where they can find you and about the, the new venture you guys are doing. All right. Um, well, thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah, we uh, we have a bunch of guys that you probably, if you follow Georgia Twitter, um, you might know. John Tweet Sports, John Smith has launched and Graham have launched a website with the uh, Field Street Forum, which is a UGA recruiting site, Jason and Dustin over there. So it's about 10 guys that are, you know, making podcasts, making, uh, you know, content and blog posts and stuff. It's dogscentral.com. That's plural. D-A-W-G-S central.com. We've got, we do have YouTube shows previewing and, and breaking down games. Uh, we have interview podcasts that are that from 100 Sanford and, and some stuff we do. And, you know, you'll find a lot of stats on there. I have a blog post that primarily talks about stats and stuff. So it's, and we do have a forum. It's a full-blown website. It's not a WordPress kind of thing. Uh, it's, you know, has a forum with a chat and notifications and, and all kinds of stuff. And John has put together. It's pretty cool. So, um, yeah. and we kind of, we kind of just trying to, you know, maybe set, differentiate ourselves from some of the, uh, the forums and blog and bulletin boards that are out there that have been around for so long. They've just got a, they've got a pattern routine and they're kind of, you know, I don't want to say tired, but they've got their personalities that dominate. And this is a new, fresh way to, to talk georgia football with some with some fans and you know we've got it's not a young uh, crowd but it, there's it skews a little younger than most i think so thank you all right for boomer. Me well, let me let me tell you something right now about who's not going to be a voice of of reason or the voice you want to hear uh with georgia football let's play this, this voicemail i'm going to share my screen which is could be i don't let me make sure i don't have anything crazy on here um okay here we go oh god uh let's see window all right let's get into although this this was the one that seemed there you go all right here's our first georgia one i'll tell you what brother nobody walks into como missouri against brady cook in the thicker fucking (laughs) and walks out unscathed Bro, what did I just watch? That dude could not miss a fucking field goal. He, what, he, he, he blows a 20-yard kick, 20, you know, 20 yards, and he's out there kicking 50-yard bombs all fucking night. My God. <laughs> if they won that game, I, just would, I, I would not be able to live with <laughs> that would come out with that dude flexing. A 200, what is, what is he weigh? 250 pounds? Oh He's got to be bigger than that. He's a big dude. What a close win for the dog. 
Stephen Bennett continues to be a fucking menstrual cycle. <laughs> he looks like a Heisman quarterback one week, and then just a, just a shamble of a man the next week. You can't put it all on him, though. The, the offensive line looks absolutely atrocious. We could not run the ball to save our fucking lives. But this, guy checked out, this guy must have checked out in the fourth quarter. What good teams always do in the fourth quarter is you run the fucking ball and you put your throat on the other team's neck. You put your throat on their neck. Fourth quarter. What ta- what's the timestamp on this? I don't know how to feel about this way. 11.36 p.m. It's so sad, honestly, that we can't, we can't score more than one fucking touchdown all night, but... I, 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 I don't know. Anyway, go dog. The sickest fucking kicker is going to haunt my dreams forever. <laughs> and I don't even know. Yeah, he was, All right. Well, he, um, was, he was striping this field goal. It was legit. Like, just, it was, you just tipped That's what he Yeah. I didn't actually watch the end of the Auburn game. And I mean, I kind of watched it. In, I mean, I, it's, oh my God. I wasn't watching it live. I mean, I saw what happened, but so I didn't have that sort of baggage. I wasn't really thinking. Oh, we're, I mean, like it wasn't surprising to me. I was like, he's a good kicker, and yeah, yeah. Kick, but he showed it. I mean, like, I, yeah, I'm happy for the guy. You know, he got off the schneid there. So I mean, we got the yeah. Win. No, your sportsmanship is sickening, but I but I do love it. It's, it's nice. <laughs> um, all right, dude. We'll see you in Athens this week. We're gonna play a couple of these voicemails, and we'll uh, we'll get at you soon, man. Oh, yeah, if I can plug one more thing. We're going to be – me and Graham and some of the guys are going to be doing a live show on Millage across from the Theta Chi House on Saturday previewing the uh, Auburn game. So if you're in town you want to say, hey, we'd love to, to come by and, and get to meet you face-to-face. Chris, thank you. Maybe you, maybe we'll see you there on Saturday, but thanks for having me, dude. I'm going to be at the Theta Cry House because y'all are going to fucking lose. I don't mean that. All right. <laughs> I'll see you then, dude. All right. Uh, let's play another one of these voices. We have another guest coming in. Um a good good friend who's actually in LA right now because he's famous. Uh, okay, let me. You know what? Fuck it. We'll just bring you in now. Um, Chris Gordy from Locked On SEC. All right, Gordy. Listen, before you, you're you're you, all of a sudden, the only thing I told you that I need you to do is talk about the Auburn LSU game. We're not going to do that right now. What we're gonna do <laughs> is listen to some of these Georgia voicemails and then get into the LSU Auburn game and then do Bama after that. Um, if you want to do the Bama one. Uh, yep. All right. Here's the. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying I'm ready to go. I'm actually back from L.A. now, so. Oh, yeah, I can sell your bobbleheads. Um, okay, let's see here. Uh, okay, these are still – oh, this is at, This is from 1.30 in the morning. Let's go with – let's go with this one right here. Uh, oh, my – so someone named Chess Rockwell had himself a tough day. Uh, and he called several times. Let's try, I'm trying to go from the beginning here. Here we go. Uncle Chris. What the hell just happened? Uncle Chris. P-Hug. This is Chess Rockwell, a.k.a. the Beard Dog, <laughs> a.k.a. Seth. Seth? Is name just Seth? God forsaken Georgia-Missouri game. 16-6? to six? Are you kidding me? All right, look, I'm not that worried. I'm not worried at all. I'm a little worried. But, dogs are down. Kirby's going to get in that ass in the, in the locker room. Stequavius is going to come out second half. Stequavius. Brock, the man, Bowers, going to score a couple TDs for us. Okay, I'm not worried. 
a little worried. But I'm not worried. Braves are up 3-2. Ooh. Right? We're going to win this game. Both these games are 2-0. Atlanta is not cursed. We're going to balance it. Somebody in the background. Second halves. Second halves are for comebacks. Everything is fine. There's no, do not, don't panic. Don't panic. Everything's fine. Call you back after the game. Hey, bye. All right, let's go to his next call. It's because it starts with Pizza Hut, which I'm very intrigued about. I'm hoping he didn't panic. I don't think he would have the way he was, the way he kept saying it. He yeah. said it with so much confidence. Oh, Chris. Seth Rockwell here once again. Just want to let you guys know never a doubt in my mind. I'm not a degenerate gambler like your boy Uncle Chris. So a dub is a dub is a dub. We'll take what we can get. You don't just walk into Como on a night game and oh. expect to cover a three and a half point spread. So the dogs went in there, got done what they need to get done. Okay. That said, man, it took a little bit of a hit with Eisen campaign. Oh my God. That's okay. Brock Bauer's going to win it anyway. Irregardless, <laughs> Chess Rockwell still here, aka the big dog, saying, Go dogs, hashtag Sequavius for Heisman. Let's go, undefeated. Keep up the good work. Talk to you boys next week. Bye. All right, I gotta say, I, like, I, I love that you guys are sending us these voicemails. I really don't like how fucking positive Georgia fans were about this game. Um, and we've, we've broken it down before before uh, with our, our previous guests. And so we're going to move on. From, we'll play the rest of some of these voicemails a little bit later. Um, I, so, Gordy, first off, welcome in. How are you? What's up, man? Yeah, let me just set the stage real quick because I was in L.A. And, and I knew this trip was coming. And I was dreading it just knowing, you know, I watch all I watch every SEC game. And so I'm right. like. I'm like, how am I going to make this work on West Coast time and all this BS? So first off, come to find out, like, no sports sports bar in L.A. is open at 9 a.m. That's what time Kentucky Ole Miss kicked off. So we're having to watch it on our cell phone because oh, yeah. we can't find any sports bar open. And then the one we do find, they're like, they are having the Dish Network issue where Disney didn't come to the contract agreement, so nobody has ESPN in town or whatever. And it's like... Good Lord. So it was just a bleep show out there. But uh, luckily, we, we watched. Oh yeah, shit show. We were able to watch most of the games on our phone. And then so we went to a really fancy dinner. We let we left the Auburn LSU game was supposed to be over. And I'm flipping yeah. back and forth from that to Georgia and Mizzou. And we're at this really fancy restaurant in L.A. with all these like Vanderpump rules looking people hanging around us. And, <laughs> like Nobody cares a damn about sports like everyone no, around was like. I'm the only person who cares about football, but I literally had, we're sitting at this fancy restaurant outside LA. It's dark. It's trendy. It's hip, whatever. And I've got two phones right here. I've got LSU Auburn ending and Georgia coming back on Mizzou watching them. And I'm the only person in the restaurant watching it. So yeah, so it was kind of fun watching that happen and seeing LSU pull out the shit show that, that they played and then seeing Georgia able to put together two touchdown drives there in the fourth quarter. Cause you like, literally if you blinked, like I saw Mizzou kick the field goal, and I looked away and then, like, come back and Georgia scored a touchdown array. I was like, holy crap, that happened quick. So, yeah, yeah it was kind of fun watching the dynamics of both those games going on at one time and seeing uh, LSU and Auburn almost like, who doesn't want to win this game? Whereas Georgia was like, all right, enough with you, Mizzou. You had your fun yeah. for the night. We're done with you. 
Well, and I will say, you know, you say it was fun. If you're a spiteful, petty fan of another team, right? Just like, you know, by chance. Okay. I'm not saying anyone in particular, but if you talk a lot of shit about both of, of, you know, Auburn and Georgia on say Twitter, right. And have for months and months and years and years watching those two together happen at the same time on two TVs was amazing for some until it wasn't, but um, I was describing myself there for sure. All right, LSU Auburn, let's get into a little bit of this game um, uh, with Gordy. And so this game did not start the way I thought it would. Auburn comes out, they're at home against LSU. Like you, we talked about this on, on your podcast last week, but LSU was a one point underdog initially. And then the line gets fed up all the way to nine. They start the game. It's at eight and a half. And I remember sitting there right before kickoff thinking it'd be a good bet to put Auburn to be the first team to score. Cause it was plus money for them to win the first quarter. That might be a best bet. And if you follow the best from last week, we, I said one of the, it's like a system play at this point. LSU second half money line and and whoever Auburn's playing second half money line because of how bad Harson's been, um, which we'll get into some of those numbers again here in a second. But how bad him and his teams have been in the second half of games. LSU comes out and all of a sudden, it's kind of time to panic. You go down seven zero, which you're like, all right, you know, maybe it's like a Robbie Ashford, it's like a fifty something yard pass. Maybe it's not. It's a it's a fluke. Whatever. There's no way that they can they can like consistently put these up and sustain this kind of offense. They put up 217 yards a week ago against Mizzou. Then LSU, LSU's offense takes the field and nothing is happening. You, I mean, like you open up like four straight punts, I think. And then next thing you know, you pin them down at the one yard line and they go the full length of the field in six plays. And now you're down 14 0 in the first half. And we have found ourselves in a familiar situation where Brian Harson is up 14 to nothing <laughs> in the first half on a or in the first quarter, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, first half um, against an SEC opponent. And when I say familiar situation, Gordy, I mean that third time in the last four SEC games where he has been up 14 to nothing in wow. the first half of the game. But the third time, and he has not won any of those games in regulations. Uh, he won one of those by three in overtime. So watching the first half, they end up going down 17 nothings like six minutes ago in the first half, and, and you you start kind of getting concerned because Jaden Daniels is not really to get, able to get anything offensively. The mindset going into this game, it, like w- the confidence going into for LSU fans was a lot better than it was in week one with FSU yeah. and the sky was falling. Yeah. I, Walk us through with – go ahead. This has been a trend with, with LSU and this Mike Denbrock offense, and, you know, was, everybody's pointing fingers. Is it Jaden Daniels? Is it Mike Denbrock? Is it like, what is it where the offense is not clicking? Because keep in mind, uh, about the first 15 plays are scripted. You know, like when they go through game plan and everything, now look, things will dictate. Like if you have a a second and one and you want to throw a pass, you're obviously going to run there. Situations will dictate it. But typically most teams, when they pull out their game, put together their game plan throughout the week, the first 10 to 15 plays are are scripted how they want to go. The question is, what is LSU doing throughout the week? Because first half against Florida State, they scored three points. First right. half against Mississippi State, they scored seven points. And then here we are against Auburn. They had seven points up until right before, you know, two-minute you know, two offense, they go down and they score uh, another touchdown to make it 14. But why is LSU off to such these slow starts? And I'm throwing out the Southern and New Mexico games because those don't matter. Against right. legit opponents, this offense is not moving. And so I just want it's so weird because so many people have these criticisms about about Jaden Daniels, who never watched him play at Arizona State. 
go back and watch the kid play. Like he outdueled Justin Herbert in a game. Like he threw, yeah. he's had 300 yard passing games. It's not like the kid can't three, throw the ball. three to season or three, 300 yard total. Yeah. The, the, the problem is I like, I don't know. Is there, is the chemistry just not there with the offensive line? Cause you're starting two true freshmen at the, at the left tackle, and right tackle spots, right. which I thought they, they did the best they could against Auburn's defensive front. Uh, Malik Neighbors, Kayshawn Booty, you've got all these talented receivers, and it's like, why is this not – why are they having such a hard time in, in in the offense? And so I look back at the play calling, and I just think, you know, they went more run heavy this week because the run was working. But, man, as the road goes on, Mike Denbrock, he's got to do a better job of calling these plays and, and, and right. scheming up and taking what the defense has given them because – I mean, you know, you're right. I mean, Auburn goes down, they score that touchdown, and then it's punt, 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 punt. Then finally Auburn puts together another touchdown drive, and then it puts together a field goal drive. And it's like, man, LSU finally gets that big defensive play. If they don't get that fumble return for a touchdown, who knows? Auburn may go down and make it 24 nothing at halftime. Yeah. Like, you know, it's you, you never know. But uh, that's, that's what's just most discouraging. And then the second half – it was a lot. LSU played a little bit more inspired. They finally go on a touchdown drive. Right. Um, Brian Harson, man. Like, I don't know what it is with all these coaches from Mike Leach to Lane Kiffin to Brian Harson. I know the analytics nerds are in the room. With what the book. fuck was they doing on fourth down? Uh, there's a 72% chance we should go for it. Dude, he doesn't throw talk like that. Shit out. Throw that shit out. Like, do what makes sense. If you're stuck in a down, if the other team's not doing crap on offense, Right. Take the delay a game, punt the ball, pin them inside the five. And like, I just don't understand these teams that could keep going for it on the fourth downs. And it's like, it's not working, dude. I know what the you know, numbers are telling you. I think that with Harson, it, it, it honestly might be this. I'm, I'm barely kidding when I say this. I think Harson, with the run that he's been on, and, and we talked about the second half stuff, I, the second half money line, a lot of you guys think I was crazy by saying, like, this is the best bet. But the reason it's the best bet is because you, I, we talked about this last week. We did a deep dive on it where you go back to his last seven games against Power Five opponents. They have scored. They've been night and day in the second half. They've, they've. I mean, the office wasn't great at times, especially late last year. But they have blown a lead in every single one of those games. And in the second half of games, they had scored going into this one a total of of. Um, I'm sorry. 19 or either 18 or 22 points in those games combined. They hadn't scored more than six. They only scored one touchdowns and all one touchdown, in all those games combined in the second half had not scored over six points in any of them. And they were averaging just three points per game in the, in the second half in, during that stretch. They were also averaging over double digits. I think it was like 11 points less than what they were even scoring in the first half over a hundred yards, less than what they were putting up in the first half. Everything changes. And, and it was a obviously an issue because you start looking at what happened against Mizzou where you go up 14-0 and don't score the rest of the three quarters of regulation. You, you go back to the Bama game last year where you're up 7-0 in the first and 10, 10 to nothing late in the second half. And then, of course, you move back and talk about a 14-0 lead against South Carolina. You don't put them away. And then the worst one of all, you know, you, you're up 28-3 on, on Mississippi State at home and you lose that game by double digits. This has been a, a thing that has plagued Brian Harson. And has become a huge, huge issue. And now you go into the second half, and Robbie Ashford still did well. Like he he put up his he put up yards, and I was surprised and and, and pleasantly surprised at some of like the production there, um, and how good of a, a player he looked in that situation at least. But everything that Harson does, 
I think at this point he's like, fuck it. Like I like go for it on my 20. Like I like what 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 else could fucking go wrong at this point, even though it's it's still his fault. And I thought, and I don't again, I don't know if some was his decision making or Eric Keesaw, but when they got so cute with, oh, we're gonna throw oh a pass on Coy Moore, like that's oh, it was just killer. Like you don't need that. You're moving the ball right. well. Like you don't need to do get cute on LSU. But um, yeah, I think there was the one pitch back to Ashford where he hit the receiver, and that one yeah. worked. But it just it was a game. It was a grinded out game where it, it was funny. LSU was moving the ball on the ground. Auburn wasn't doing much on the ground. They were having to throw. But LSU, right. it was funny. I was listening back to the coaches show from Thursday night with Brian Kelly. And he was previewing the Auburn game, and he kept going, "Oh man, Robbie Ashford, we gotta, we gotta stop the run. This kid can run on you, man. If you're not ready right. to stop the run." And I kept seeing that. I kept hearing that echoing as I'm watching LSU on on the field. Those safeties kept having their eyes on Ashford. So Auburn did a good job of saying, "Oh, you think Ashford's gonna run? No, sucker, right. I'm going over the top and then hitting hitting the the receivers." And so LSU had some busted coverage. Good Robbie was- Ashford, by the way. Yeah, and that's why that's why Ashford, you know, threw for three thirty-seven. I think, and I don't want to be too overly negative with Auburn, but I saw a lot of Auburn fans going, "Well, if we took anything out of this game, at least we have our quarterback now. We know it's Ashford." I'm just like, I don't think Georgia's going to have those busted coverages. Oh, no, no, that- hold on, hold on. Okay, but and you're not wrong. But here's the deal: if you're an Auburn fan, and I'm not saying this to be a dick, but you find a win anywhere you can fucking find a win at this point because of all. I mean. Again, a week ago, they put up 217 total yards through through four quarters. But I tell you what, the other part of this too, and, and, and we'll get you out of here in a second, but the 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 thing if you're Auburn, the, the biggest takeaway I had was, of course, they fought. They fought once again. They death, or not death, Valley well, Jordan here at night, you were kind of worried that, that Auburn Jesus was going to show up, especially in the second half. Um, the things that I saw, like the, my biggest takeaway from them was, a lot of stuff that we've heard about Harson, why he's not a good fit there is because Harson doesn't get the culture or he just doesn't get it. And I thought that was a little bit unfair because you're the one that went out to Boise to go get him um, to, to be their head coach. One thing is for sure after watching this game, what Brian Harson doesn't get is the moment. And that is like when you have a reverse pass that you call to Coy Moore, when you're like, you have a chance to go win this game after all of the shit you've already fucked up. Right. Like you have every opportunity to go win this football game and you and you should have never even been in that situation. And time and time again, if it wasn't one of his players throwing, you know, fumbling a, a punt or doing like, you know, because they've had multiple turnovers. And I think like maybe in the last seven or eight games against powerful opponents, he's not the one fumbling or throwing interceptions, but he is the one that's putting those players out there. And and when like when you're him at this point, like that's something that you can at least you know, like throw a player under the bus. But fumbling a punt is not your fault. What is your fault is this decision like the fourth and one for the second week in a row and not getting it. It's a decision like having the reverse pass. And then the other part, too, is the Robbie Asher thing looked great, right? But this is, once again, this is a guy that was not the starter going into the season. And I continue to question if this guy knows what a fucking quarterback looks like or if any coach at Auburn is going to moving forward because we didn't know it with Gus. Thank God you guys found Cam Newton in, in Kansas. But if you didn't know Robbie Ashford was a better option than TJ Finley, what are we watching? Yeah. No, I think I, – I, and, again, I do think you're right. To a certain extent, you, you, there were some positives there with Ashford. 
what can you do against Georgia? I don't know. What is Georgia? I mean, you probably just got finished talking about that, but you yeah. know, two weeks, Georgia's not been Georgia, but yeah, um, you know, the biggest, biggest concern to me for Auburn is tank Bigsby. That's now four out of five games. He has not rushed for a hundred yards. I mean, he's not going to, I'd give the, the guy had 12 carries. He needs 20 a game. Really least, 12 carries? He took 12 carries for 45 yards. I mean, he needs at least 20. I don't care how you do it. I don't care the down the distance. He just needs that many touches. Like, yeah. so I don't know. They got to figure that out moving forward. But yeah. LSU, I'll tell you this. A few people I've talked to this already, Marler, in the last 24 hours, they are fired up. I mean, they they kind of understand, like, this LSU team, It's they're decent. They're not great. This isn't going to be one of LSU's best teams. But they're yeah. fired up for this Tennessee game this Saturday. I mean, they are going yeah. to – Tiger Stadium is going to be rocking. It sucks. It's an 11 a.m. game, but they're kind of already resigned to that fact. And it's going to be fun, man. We'll get to see what LSU's defense that's done some good things in recent weeks Mm -hmm. under Matt House, how they uh, can stop Hendon Hooker. But look, if Robbie Astrid's going to throw for 337 on you, uh, Hendon Hooker may have a day on him. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, I want to have you on the, this week, and we'll talk about it as well and just kind of the mood going into that game because it's the biggest game of the week, and I'm shocked that it's a fucking 11 a.m. kick. You know, it, and, and I tell you what, man, I said this earlier today, and, and I'm not even necessarily mad about it because this fan base is – and they that program's been through fucking hell and back with Tennessee. But Tennessee having LSU and Bama back-to-back weekends, a five, like a, a four-and-one LSU team and, a, and an undefeated Bama team, the fact that they got Death Valley at 11 a.m. and not at night, and it's their first trip there in like eight, eight, ten years, something like that. They get Death Valley at 11 a.m. and then – and they won with one second left or no yeah. time block that one, yeah. And then they get they might get Bama and uh and LSU without their starting quarterbacks, which is just an incredible run of fortune there. But we'll talk more about that later this week. I do want to play one voicemail. Um, and while I'm I'm finding it right now, tell everyone where they can find you and plug yo shit. Yeah, just locked on SEC wherever you get your podcasts and doing the video version on YouTube now. So uh, Monday show, I do our winners and and our who depressed of the weekend. So we'll be doing that. And I, look, I'm going to put – I'm putting Mizzou – I hate to give out moral victories. I'm putting Mizzou in my winner category because who yeah. the hell is them playing a, playing a tough game? But, uh, man, how do you not have – in your depressed of the weekend, who's more depressed than Bryce Young fans right now going, what the hell? Okay, we're not doing this. What Don't are you. we going to do? I, I like Jalen – I think Milrow can, can – can make some throws, but he's no Bryce. So. I'm not ready to talk about it yet. But um, all right, here is your voicemail uh, from from th- this game. Hold on, hold on. Let me just share. Hold on. Um, no. Sorry. Here, where is this? Uh, you're you're good at technology. I'm so good at this, and I'm so glad that I that I prepared. You know what I you know what I did right beforehand was um, instead of. Getting all this figured out, I made this stupid graphic that doesn't even fucking fit into the screen. <laughs> I, it, like the whole time I knew I was, I was spending way too much time. All right, here we go. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I think we, here we go. How the hell is Auburn below a 17-point lead? 200 more yards. You only allow 85 passes. Four turnovers, 
Fantastic. All right, Gordy, we appreciate it, man. Uh, we will see you later this week. All right, so um, let's get into the next game. Uh, and, and I'm sorry, this is a uh, guess. You guys should have known this wasn't going to be organized, but let's get into the Bama Arkansas game um, from Saturday as well. Uh, there's a lot of takeaways from that that I think we want to get into. So Bama goes into Fayetteville as a 17 and a half point favorite, and we talked about all last week. Connor did a great article about it on the SCS website. I did a deep dive on it, but I didn't know we, had, we should have planned that uh, better. But we talked about how Bama has struggled on the road. Their, last, their five true road games they've played over the last two seasons, which is Bryce Young's only five true road games in his career, uh, starting at Bama. They've won four of those games by three points or less. We saw them struggle against Texas. We saw it last year against Auburn. And a lot of these teams they struggled against where they probably shouldn't have. And then you have the outright loss to an unranked A&M team from a year ago. Um, and all of the numbers and how different they looked. Bama comes out against against Arkansas in this game. And, and you love to see, like, we talk about this all the time, how we love Pittman. We love, you know, Arkansas for the most part. I don't think anybody hates him besides maybe their baseball Twitter fans. I don't know. Um, but Bama comes out and right off the bat looked different. They looked like a little bit more of like the dominant teams we had seen from the past um, that go on the road bury opponents, put them to sleep early, and tell them to go the fuck home at halftime. Bama goes up in the, the first drive. They go right down the field. They end up throwing a, a, an interception because, get this, one of the receivers dropped a, bat, uh, dropped a pass. Um, Bryce looked very, very good early on. The run game even looked pretty good early on. The concern, I think, if you're a Bama fan was, how is this defense going to look? And you can't get in a situation where if you already have a turnover and you, you keep this team hanging around and hanging around. It was a very trendy pick. For Auburn, to, or for Arkansas to be uh, to upset Bama, gets the ball back and shuts this team down for the majority of the first half, and you find yourself up twenty-one nothing. And then the worst possible thing that could have happened to this team happens to this team, and Bryce Young goes down awkwardly and in a weird situation where you didn't even know that he was hurt because he still came back out and nobody said anything on the actual tackle. He goes back out the next drive, and it's not until third down that he attempts to pass, and he went like. He's all of a sudden he's tent. He's very animated about on the sidelines, and you're you've lost your Heisman, like your Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. Now I don't know if I'm just dumb and I don't know uh, injuries well or whatever, but um, wasn't a huge concern at first. And also, what they did after he left the game, uh, and actually, I'm sorry, he left the game and it was when it was fourteen to nothing. Bama had great field position from a, a punt return, and Jalen Milrow went right into the like you know that's here in the red zone. No issues, walks in for a touchdown. They're up 21 nothing. Comes back again, throws a touchdown pass to JoJo Earl, who's back from injury. They're up 28 nothing now. So you're up 28 nothing on the road against a ranked Arkansas team. And your quarterback's still in the tent. And now things are starting to get weird. And Bryce goes to the locker room early. His parents come down from the stands to go attend the locker room with him. And Gary Danielson says, Let's just hope for college football and for Bryce Young that we see him play college football again this season and all fucking hell breaks loose um bryce young's injury uh 
they, they came out later after the game. The speculation during the game was incredible. You had AJ McCarron weighing in on it. Rick New has a halftime show. Everybody became an expert. I was getting fucking texts from like armchair uh, doctors. And by the way, guys, armchair quarterbacks, that's not a good look. Okay. You're probably not a good quarterback. Armchair doctors, that's the furthest thing you, you probably are um, from a, like a medical like professional. So, but the amount of people that were like, you could tell, man, that's a, it's a torn rotator cuff. He's going to be out for the year, whatever. So this panic just starts to ensue, right? Um, hold on. Sorry. So Bryce comes back out in the second half, helmet on, and he's not going to play, but he is dressed, which is a good sign. But Bama's 28-7 lead turns into a fucking nightmare in one of the wildest third quarters we've ever seen. And you watch Arkansas do what Arkansas does best. They did it last year at Sam Pittman and this team not quitting, making halftime adjustments, sticking to their game plan, and then doing whatever it takes to win. And this is the thing I was most impressed about, too. So this, I mean, because this was a this game, this game was very close to being one of those type of games that Bama loses. And if they would have lost this game up 28-0 with a backup quarterback, there's no excuse for it. So what does Arkansas do? They come out. Their first six drives of the game resulted in only 69 total yards. Nice. Um, five punts and one fumble. They score with 20 seconds left in the first half, make it 28-7. They get the ball coming out of the, the half in the, in the second half. They score again. Onside kick, go down the field, get inside the, the five-yard line, settle for a field goal to go 28-17. Bama, on the other hand, is just three and out. They have nothing going on on offense. They're not, they, the passing game is non-existent. Um, and I think they had put up they, in the entire third quarter negative one yards of offense. Negative one. Arkansas then uh, forces Bama to punt. This is going to shock you. Special teams miscue. One of the worst fucking snaps on a punt you've ever seen. Ball just hits Henry Toto uh, on the side. I guess they thought the up back was the punter. And as the ball is like squirt, squirting is probably the best word, um, is loose inside Bama's five-yard line. Instead of kicking it to the back of the end zone, Hunter panics, falls on it, gives Arkansas the ball to the three-yard line. They go in to score again. It's now 28-23, to 23, and in two minutes left in the first half, a 28-0 lead in just 17 short minutes has turned into a five-point lead with a backup quarterback on the road against a top-20 team, and that place was fucking rocking. Um, now, here's the takeaways I have here from this game. Bama – Comes back out and, you know, spoiler, the final score ends up being 49 to 26. And they do what they had to do to get stops. But if you are not concerned and you think that Jalen Milrow, because he still led them to a victory and they put up all these points in the second half and the offense looked good at times without him, it didn't. It didn't. And this is a big, big concern if Bryce Young is going to be out for an extended period of time. They said it's a sprained AC joint. They, they'll, they'll take it day by day. I would not expect him to play against A&M especially in a game that could be very physical like that, where he gets hit again before going to Tennessee. The good news if you're Bama is you probably don't need Bryce Young against A&M. Okay. And, and I hate to say that, you know, not, not to talk shit about A&M or anything like that, but you look at the numbers from, from what the offense was able to do under Jalen Milrow. He has on third and 15, it's third and 15. And you're only up by five in this nightmare. It's like, you're just trying to fucking stop the bleeding. He scrambles because what he does best is the fastest player on the team. They have a spy. Bumper pool is the spy. And he still somehow outruns everyone and gets down to the two yard line, takes him in for a score. 
and, and they go back up again. Now, here's the issue, guys. I understand that Bama scored, you know, 21 points in the fourth quarter, and that's great. And it's a, it's a huge fucking play from that kid with your back against the wall almost and, and you know, and trying again to stop the bleeding. You needed someone to step up. But you had a touchdown run from Jameer Gibbs of 72 yards, another one of 76 yards, and that's all great. But I don't think that's going to happen every week. And when you look at the offense, the offense is not running the football more than throwing the ball. It's passing the football. And Jalen Milrow was one of four for three yards passing the football in the second half. That is a huge cause for concern. Now, like I said, the takeaway from this, you might not need Bryce Young against A&M because A&M just, first off, they're not great. Um, and they also just gave up 144 yards rushing to Mississippi State. Uh, they gave over 100 yards rushing in the first half, which is the first time that's ever happened for Mike Leach, uh, his office at Mississippi State. And the, the bigger concern is they gave over six yards per carry uh, on those runs. You can probably run the football and beat A&M and get through that game. If defense is good enough to do it, despite what we saw in the third quarter on Saturday. But going to Tennessee without Bryce Young, you will walk out of there with your first loss of the season if you're Alabama. There is that. Um, saving cuts to the portal. Uh, I, don't, I think he was like laughing. I, I, don't, I don't know about saving post-game interviews. We have a couple of, of uh, fan questions here. More excited stadium, Arkansas or Mizzou at any point in the game? I would say Arkansas just because it's a bigger stadium and they were they – were, I mean, a lot of their fans thought they could win. Maybe at that's like probably at peaks though of that stadium uh, loudness during the games on Saturday because I mean, Mizzou was winning not just in that game; they were winning for for three plus quarters there. Uh, ben Diesel says, "Don't make the mistake of thinking Tamu that A and M has any semblance of consistency. They're good enough to beat anybody and bad enough to lose anybody on every Saturday." That's actually a very good point, um, and I don't disagree with you. Now, listen again. Also, from like the Arkansas standpoint, now you're three and two. I, I like a lot of people thought I was kind of harsh on Arkansas early in the season about how you know some of these losses they were going to take. Um, they get Mississippi State on the road this weekend. It doesn't really let up. And then you get you know at BYU at Auburn. So they they lose a heartbreaker a week ago. They lose a game yesterday. That's not as much of a heartbreaker, but a game you found yourself in out of nowhere in the fourth quarter. Um, and, and you lose that. And now you got to fucking regroup, but you got to regroup in three games away from home and away from Fayetteville and in not the easiest places to play at Mississippi State, at BYU, and then at, uh, at Auburn. Um, I'm sure they'll win that Auburn game, but they haven't beaten them in the last six years. So that would be my concern if you're Arkansas. You got to find a way, like I said, during this game here for Bama to stop the bleeding and go get a win. Uh, Pittman getting a win on the road at Mississippi State, especially with, with how Mississippi State's looked over the past couple of weeks in, in beating AM, would be arguably the, the biggest win he's had. It, well, it'd be the biggest win he would, he would have this season, I think, because it, it, it is a turning point. Uh, it could go one of two ways for this team, and, and you don't want it to go south, that's for sure. All right, let's get into the last game from the slate this weekend, which was the Mississippi State-Texas A&M game. I admittedly missed the fourth quarter of this game, which was a shame because they scored 35 fucking combined points. Almost impossible to do. Uh, this game started out kind of similar to what we thought it would. Uh, A&M just takes longer to score than a fucking ginger with adult braces, man. It just, they, that offense is stagnant at times. The defense, though, give them credit, started off, especially in the first half, pretty good. Uh, able to get some key stops. Didn't seem to be... Um, 
too too freaked out, uh, you know, and, and figuring out how to stop the uh, this Mississippi State offense. Now, I say that only because Mike Leach had just an incredible quote about this after the game. But Mississippi State does what they always do. I said this before the game, that they score consistently. That's maybe better than anybody in the country. Um, it's not like these big explosive plays. It's, it's kind of like death by a thousand paper cuts. They just methodically dink and dunk their way down the field with one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And, and you look at Will, Will Rogers again in this game because there were times in the first half where it looked like A&M was going to at least take a lead, uh, which is with the way their defense is playing, you know, kind of a concern. And you don't want this A&M team to, to thrive off a bunch of confidence to get that mo- momentum going. But Mississippi State, behind their quarterback, uh, Will Rogers has just another incredible day. It's honestly, it might be time to start talking about Will Rogers being in the mention for the Heisman uh, Heisman Trophy, just because of the fact that the numbers he's, he puts up each and every week, and it really does speak to how elite the quarterback play has been in the SEC this year. Um, you know, at, at several places with Hinton Hooker and, and Bryce Young and it's Setson Bennett and Will Levis even, and, and, you know, I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody, but Will Rogers as well, 31 of 45 for 329 yards and three touchdowns against the defense that was ranked top 10 nationally in, in past defense. That's not easy to do. And, and the fact that their offense was able to be this balanced and put up their 600 yard rushing game since Stoops, or since Leach has been at, uh, in Starkville, that was equally as impressive, but what I was most impressed with was the fact that they were able to put their foot on this on AM's throat, bury them early, it felt like, because this game, they put up a lot of points. This like AM scored, they scored 14 points in the fourth quarter. They scored with a minute 34 left to make it 42-24. This game was a blowout. I mean, this game was an absolute blowout. At one point, Max Johnson, who was just getting beat to shit uh, in this game. He had to come out, and, and they gave way to Haynes King. Haynes King does a pick six, which is his fourth career pick six, which he's played like three games, guys. That ties the all-time record in the SEC. It, that, so the numbers for this offense somehow continue to get worse, and I don't think that Jimbo's job is in danger. But here's the very real scary uh, – here's, here's like the – the, the very scary truth that Mississippi State fans, or I'm sorry, the A&M fans are going to be facing once they take a step back and realize where they're at, especially going into the Alabama game. I, I compared it the other day to Mississippi State, or A&M fans are kind of like, and there's this team, it's kind of like someone looking at themselves in the mirror as a, you know, as the fog is clearing from like you seaming up the, the mirror in like a hot shower, okay? I'm not explaining this well at all, but, you know, like, them having to see the reflection of who this team really is, is not a great sight, right? Um, they are going to go into Tuscaloosa as a three, three score underdog. They were a three score underdog last year and they pulled off an, an incredible upset. They're going to go in unranked same as last year. They pulled off the upset last year. They're going to go in with a possibly a backup quarterback. All of those things can happen again. But the sad part is and the, and the scary truth is if, if A&M, even if they go to Tuscaloosa, and they pull off another miracle upset and beat Alabama. There's still a very real possibility that they will go eight and four or worse the rest of the season with that win. And now even the luster of something like that and like the shine from that is will have worn off. 
If you go into last season, it's like, well, yeah, we went eight and four, but we beat Bama. We we had the number one class. Now, if you're an A&M fan, you've already been there. It's time to take the next step. So even beating Bama, unless it it somehow catapulted you and and gave you enough momentum to go get 10 wins, at the end of the year, I don't think that's going to be enough to not have Jimbo Fisher get tons of scrutiny and be in the hot seat going into the offseason. So there is that. All right. Um, That is – those are the, the games from this weekend. Let's briefly talk about some of the um, some of the questions you guys had uh, from earlier. This has been a very long show. But um, one of the, the big things we want to talk about was Bama, Georgia, Ohio State. It seems like we said all year that it's just kind of a foregone conclusion. One of those three teams is the only three teams that could win a national championship. I don't think that's true, um, especially with the way we saw some of these injuries play out, especially the way Georgia's played the past couple of weeks and the way Clemson's played in Michigan. And a couple of other teams as well, to be honest. I think we could find a a couple of teams, you know, Oklahoma State might make the playoff. If I was looking at this and voting today, Ohio State would probably be the number one team in the country. Um, They haven't played anybody. They haven't played away from home, which is, it's fucking October. I don't know how it's possible. That being said, they were down 7-0 in the first quarter yesterday to Rutgers, and they ended up going up. I think they, they scored 49 unanswered or something like that. Um, they That offense is potent. It is very, very good and very explosive. They could score at will against you, and the defense continues to get better. And the thing about Ohio State, it's very similar to what we talked about with Georgia. When are they going to get tested? They're not going to get tested. Penn State beat Northwestern at home by 10 yesterday. They're not going to get tested against, against Michigan State because they're garbage. Uh, the, the Big Ten West division leader is 1-4. How? I, I I said before the season I thought Ohio State would beat Georgia for the national championship. I that is like the biggest nightmare for me possible. Um, but if it was if you asked me today, I would probably say that you, you put them at number one just because of their ability to like the the game control they've had. Bama, you know, finds themselves in a little bit of a dogfight yesterday in the in the second half at Arkansas. We saw what happened to them at Texas, Texas or at Texas earlier this year. We've seen them struggle at times over the past two years, and now your quarterback's out in Georgia. I don't know how they're having issues because all the pieces are still in place. I know A.D. Mitchell's out, and they've got a couple couple guys dicked up. But I do I do think that they will be able to get through the rest of the season unscathed and, and, and be undefeated. We're It's a very real scenario that, that the SEC will not get two teams in, maybe because there could be undefeated teams from the Big 12, the Pac-12, and the Big Ten. So I say this, I feel like every year, if you're if you're an SEC fan, it's time to start pulling against the the powers from the other conferences because there's a there's a decent chance USC still won yesterday after getting diced up by fucking Emory Jones. Um, they're still undefeated. You have a Pac-12 team that's undefeated. Uh, you have multiple Big Ten teams that are undefeated. I don't. I think Notre Dame's probably not out of it just because it's Notre Dame, even though they have I think three losses. But you just never fucking know it the way the media is. So. Um, anyway, that is your show for this week. I do want to say one more shout out and that is to, uh, all of you that listened along and followed the videos and stuff like that in the YouTube stream. Um, not gonna lie. First time joining live. I like listening to the podcast at work next day. Oh, thanks man. appreciate that. I don't know what I'm doing to be honest. I should have planned this better. And I feel like, uh, everything is going way too fast because I've, I've missed most of these voicemails, uh, which we'll play here in a second, but um make sure you're tuning into the youtube channel we're going to start doing more and more video content uh it's been a lot of fun and the betting content especially like 
let's talk about this for a second because our good friends at Texas Pete, I mean, they when they chose to sponsor the pod, and and that that sitting on a Peter phrase just rolled off my tongue so beautifully, you know. Um, and it felt so right. I knew that I couldn't let them down by just being dog shit on my picks. Texas Pete is a phenomenal hot sauce. You put it on, on I had it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner the other day. Not by itself, because that would be crazy. But I had a sampler pack that we got from Texas Pete. You guys should go check it out as well. Go to texaspeat.com and look at some of these new products. Because it's not just the hot sauce. They got buffalo sauce. They got uh, honey mustard sauce. They don't have a ranch yet, which thank God, because that'll just take over the entire Southeast. But Texas Pete's um, sauce like you mean it. Make sure you guys are tuning in uh, every Saturday for game day tailgate specials. We'll be giving away a bunch of prize packs as the season goes on. Going to be in, in Athens this weekend and Baton Rouge next month. Maybe we'll have some free swag and, and free uh, products to give away. There you go. So a little hint, hint. Um, but make sure you're going to texaspeats.com. Uh, and anytime you're tailgating with Texas Pete, send us a picture uh, to get some some free stuff as well. And and make sure you tag hashtag sauce like you mean it. Texas Pete dust. Vin Diesel, I love the fact that your profile picture is the horny for disrespect sign. All right, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you who's horny for respect, and that's me uh, with my gambling picks. So each and every week, I tell you the best bets. We do deep dives and, and way too much research into things that we're not even in control of. Uh, and somehow this season we're five weeks in and we keep waiting for, I don't know, as Connor would say, water to find its level or whatever. Um, we went nine and five a week ago. Uh, we went 14 and two before that expected, a, a, you know, maybe a step back. We went 15 and six yesterday on our picks, the best bets, uh, that we posted, they were actually six and two. So if you are not following along with the picks, I don't know why. Because we're making y'all a ton of fucking money. Um, humble brag. Like I said, 15 and 6. Two of those losses for the second straight week, by the way, were Georgia in the first quarter and Georgia in the first half. But some of these, these system plays that we've been we've been saying, it's just money. It's like, you know, what it's saying? It's like punching a baby in the face. Right? Or like, no, I'm sorry, taking it's like beating up a baby or taking candy from a baby. I don't know. I've mixed up my my cliche sayings. I don't think you should beat up babies, but you should definitely beat up your bookie financially because we we told you that Ole Miss and Kentucky game and in a, the first half and the first quarter team to score first win first quarter money line first half money line first half team totals all that kind of shit we went six for six in those picks alone if you are looking to make some money win some betting or, you know an office pool or just be the smartest fucking guy in your in your group thread or girl tune into the gambling picks we are fucking lights out right now we are on a peter so. No, you can bet in Georgia, Ben. We can definitely do that. Um, make sure you go on, on SDS, and there's plenty of ways we can figure that out. Uh, wink, wink. Now, let's um, let's play one more voicemail and get out of here. I appreciate you guys tuning into. It's been a long episode uh, of me going solo. And we will be back on, I believe, I guess Wednesday? Uh, or no, probably Tuesday. Previewing the week ahead. Uh, big, big week ahead with not just... Bam AM, but at LSU Tennessee game, Arkansas Mississippi State, there's a lot of good games coming. And we're getting to that time of the year where the leads are changing, the weather's changing. Uh, Auburn's head coach is probably going to be changing. Um, and we're getting into conference play. So it's going to be the fun stuff. Now, love you guys. Make sure you are um, 
following along with the website, following along with all of our social media, and most importantly, liking and subscribing to all of our stuff on YouTube so I can keep this job. We will see you next time. Bye, y'all. Hold on. All right, last one. It's better be a good one. Hey guys, first time caller. Name's Hammy Sims. This is State Bulldog fan. You know, a little bit hammered here, but looking back and listening to all these AM fans cry. How have we come this far from Kellen Mond? Kellen Mond could run the same offense so great. Well, fuck them. They have a horrible fucking offense. Have a horrible quarterback. And we showed them that today. They, yeah, they moved the ball, but it was Devin A. Chain the entire game until the second half, late in the second half. And the Bulldogs just imposed their will. And they can sit here and wonder why everything's not working. But until Jimbo proves that he can do what he did with Mond and then some with all these great recruits, he's nothing. And he will never be anything in the SEC until then. Don't have a good one. Goodbye. All right. We'll end on that note. Uh, we love you guys, and we will see you next week. <laughs>